This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Of all the songs that we sing in, at Christmas time, perhaps that last refrain would be God's favorite. Don't you think? I owe you my life. I worship you forever. Yeah, I live to bring you praise. Merry Christmas, everybody. Are you wet enough? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, it's nice to be in a nice, warm, mostly dry place this morning. So uh, uh, I'm so glad you're here. And for those of you who are here for the very first time, my name is Ron. And um, I'm going to be teaching us for the next 30 to 35 minutes out of God's Word. And we're looking at a thing called Christmas stories. And today we're going to focus on... Well, when you were a little kid, and, and you were, let's say, in kindergarten, they used to play that thing, which one is not like the others? Remember that little game? Well, if you ever looked at a nativity scene and asked yourself, which of these is not like the others? Okay, we got Joseph. He's a Jew. We got Mary. She's a Jew. We've got Jesus. He's a Jew. We've got two shepherds. They are Jews. We've got two sheep. They are Jewish sheep, I'm sure. But then there's these three guys over here in the corner, right? And they're not Jews. In fact, they're Persians. They are 700 miles from home, dressed unlike anybody else. We're going to talk about those three guys today. And we're going to learn some stuff about the truth. So I just want to encourage you, if you would, from your program, take the teaching notes. They look like this and get ready to fill in the blanks. We're going to learn some stuff. Now... A week ago Tuesday, we had an intense moment at our house. Yeah, I know, even pastors have those. See, Monica and I were working on a church project, and we had a slight disagreement about how that should take place. And I know it's hard to imagine she had an opinion. And I had one. And they actually were quite different from each other. And you know how that went? Now, now there was no slamming doors, calling names or anything, but it was pretty intense. And when I left the house, it was a little awkward that morning. And, and our relationship was pretty perfunctory the rest of the day. Why? Because we were short on love for each other. No, we've been married 41 years. We weren't short on love. What we were actually short on was truth. You see, she thought the truth was one thing, and I thought the truth was a different thing, and the longer we talked about it, the further apart we got on that deal. Ever been there? Yeah, of course you have. You don't want to laugh too loud because you're sitting right by you. Okay, all right. I understand how that goes, all right? We've all been there. Now listen to me. I want you to understand something, not just about marriage and relationships. I want you to understand something about the world. Most of the conflict, wherever it takes place, is the result of differing opinions about the truth. It could be the truth about life. It could be the truth about government. It could be the truth about taxes. It could be... Most of the conflict in our world, almost all of it, centers around differing opinions of the truth. 
which stands to reason then, if you would like to lower the conflict level in your life, become a seeker of truth. Because when we understand truth correctly, it brings us together. And it leads us to a place of wonderful freedom. Now notice what God says in his word about the truth. Here in Proverbs chapter 23, God says, get the truth and never sell it. Okay? I couldn't say it any plainer than that. That means you better get it. And it means whatever you do when you get it, don't don't let it go. Get the truth and never sell it. Get the truth is actually what is real in life. Then he goes on to say, also get wisdom. That's truth understood. And then he says, and good judgment. That's truth applied in the everyday uh, situations of life. Now I want I want you to notice how Jesus connects his birth with truth. As Jesus stood on trial, on the day that he was condemned and crucified, here's what he said about the truth. He said, I was born, that would be Christmas, right? I was born and came into the world to testify to what? The truth. You know, in my notes, I just wrote, Christmas is about the truth. And I want you to know that, and I want you to be persuaded of that, that Jesus came into the world not just to create a Christmas season. He said, I came to testify to the truth. Which means, by the way, no less than 72 times that we have recorded in the Bible, Jesus said this phrase before he said something else. I tell you the truth. And usually what follows that is something that you and I would shake our heads at and go, huh? You know why? Because oftentimes the truth is a difficult thing to accept. But the sooner we accept it, the better our lives get. But this morning we're going to posture a question. And it's a question that all of us are going to face Probably more than once in life, I have faced it on a major scale level, probably a half a dozen times in my life. And and I can tell you, it's not an easy question to answer, but I can tell you for sure there is a correct answer, only one correct answer, and I hope that we can explore that this morning. And here is the question, what if the truth requires major life change? from me. Wow. Christmas is all about major life change. It was a major life change for Mary. We've already seen that. It was a major life change for Joseph. Certainly was a major life change for Jesus who left heaven and came to earth. And today we're going to talk about some guys. Usually we we talk about them as three guys. We don't know for sure that there were three, but the Magi. Let's go read their story because they they have a great lesson to teach us about the truth. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. Now, they were from, as we know now, they were from ancient Persia or modern-day Iran, okay? And they said, where is the newborn king of the Jews? 
We saw his stars that arose, and we have come to worship him. Now, those were very, very troubling words because, as you read already, Jerusalem was ruled by King Herod. Kevin told you correctly last week. I'll fill in a couple of details. By the time the Magi showed up in in Jerusalem, Herod had already banished one wife and killed uh, her son. He had killed another wife and both of her sons. So by that time, he had pretty much done away with two wives and three sons. All for one reason. He thought somehow they might pose a threat to his throne. Wow. You know how Herod got to be king? Through lie and deceit. And he was afraid somebody was going to do to him what he had already done. You know, there's, that's another whole sermon for another time. But I don't want you to miss the lesson. Okay? When somebody shows up and says, Hey, where's the newborn king of the Jews? And you say that to Herod, everybody in Jerusalem knew somebody's head was going to roll. Because they already had. Here's something else you should know about Herod. Because Herod was raised in an area of Israel called Idumea. He considered himself a Jew, even though he was not a naturally born Jew. He was half Jewish. But he officially proselytized into the Jewish faith. So he considered himself a Jew. And he was king already. So guess who he considered to be king of the Jews? Yeah, you got it. Now, the wise men were dumbfounded. That's an interesting statement, is it not? The wise men were dumbfounded, yes. They came, they said, we've seen his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. They're showing up in Jerusalem to worship the newborn king of the Jews, and they're pretty sure that the people in in Jerusalem are going to know where their newborn king is. And when they show up and say, you know, where's this newborn king that we can go worship him? Everybody looks at each other like, huh? What are you talking about? Now, I don't know how they got that message. But I know they got it. Because they came 700 miles across, across desert sands for one reason. And no one would do that for any other reason than the truth. And they knew that a king had been born and they had been commissioned somehow by God to go worship him. Now let's pick up the story. Let's go back one one screen if we can. At the very bottom it says King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. So Herod inquires and says, "Where is he supposed to be born?" and they say in Bethlehem. And so the, the, they have this interview and the and the magi say, "Okay, we're going to go and worship him." And Herod says, "Hey, by the way, would you let me know when you find him? Because I want to go worship him too. Although Herod's form of worship is not what you and I would consider worship. All right, now we're on to the next part of the story. After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Friend, that's, friends, that's the most important uh, phrase in the whole story. They bowed down and worshipped him. Why? Because these stargazing astrologers who were Persian worshippers and followers of Zoroaster, these pagans 
are now worshiping Jesus, and they're going to become Christ followers. You know what history tells us? That shortly after Jesus was crucified and the gospel began to spread, do you know one of the first countries that became completely Christian? Persia. Isn't that amazing? Because these guys went home, and they began to tell everybody, we have seen the king. Not just the king of the Jews, which is what they thought they were coming to worship. We have seen the king. They saw the star. It was easy for them to believe in Jesus because they had seen something that was miraculous. And they knew this was no ordinary child. Now, picking up the story, then they opened their treasure chest, gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Can I tell you, that the truth required major life change for these guys. It even required them to take a huge risk because they fled a different way and hoped that Herod would not figure it out until they were out of the country. Now, what is it about the truth that Jesus, that, that the writer of Proverbs says, man, you better get the truth and you better not sell it under any circumstances. Never compromise it. And that Jesus said he was born to testify to the truth and that would cause these, these guys to travel 700 miles across the desert in order to come and worship Jesus, who was the author of truth. Well, there's three things that you need to know about the truth and that I need to know about the truth, and they all play into this concept of what if the truth requires major life change? You probably have already figured out in the story, here's Herod over here who's willing to kill the truth at any cost, and here are the magi, and they're willing to worship and comply with the truth at any cost. Two different models completely, okay? Truth number one, the first reality or promise you need to know about the truth is that the truth always wins. It wins every time. In fact, Jesus said it like this, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. I know that sounds, I teach on this quite often, and I know it sounds sort of super silly because it's so simple. But friends, do you know how many times you and I act as if the truth is not going to win? And somehow we think it'd be different this time. The truth wins every time. There's an unyielding quality about the truth. It doesn't budge or change for anybody. And that can be hard because when you bump up against something and it doesn't give, it has a way of hurting you quickly. Because there's nothing in the truth that is soft or yielding. It's just true. Now, there's good news in that, too, because it means that you can count on it because it never changes. And the great thing about the truth is you can build your life on it, and you can order your life around it, and you can know that your life is, as we sometimes sing here at this church, unshakable. Because the truth is unshakable. It always wins. If the truth always wins... And it's great to build your life around. And as Jesus said later, that truth would lead, you, lead us to freedom. Why do we struggle with truth then? Well, because truth has three opposites. And most of us are only aware of one. 
So we're going to talk about the obvious one first. What's the opposite of truth? Lies. Yeah, of course. I knew that's what you were going to say. That is right. So write it down in your notes. The first opposite of truth is lying. It just means that when you know what the truth is, you say something else. Okay? It's just a flat-out lie that needs no explanation. We've all gone down that path, and the problem with lies is they're not true. And because they're not true, you can't count on them, correct? And when you count on a lie, it never comes to pass. Why? Because it's not true. Of course it's not. But the biggest danger that you and I face when it comes to really embracing the truth is probably not lies. It's the other two opposites. The second opposite of truth is this, ignorance. You see, less than 200 years ago, in our country, medical illnesses were treated with blood-sucking leeches. That's a revolting thought, isn't it? If you went to the doctor and said, man, you got a cold, I'll tell you what, you need a big old leech right here. Pulls out that slimy thing and puts it on your neck. Yes. The best doctors in the world believed that one of the best ways you could treat almost any disease was to put blood-sucking leeches on people. Were they lying to them? No. They were just ignorant. We have this little phrase. What you don't know won't hurt you. That's not true. That goes back to category number one. That's a lie. Because what you don't know will hurt you just as much as what you do know. It doesn't change a thing. And by the way, in, in some area of life right now, we are all walking in ignorance. We don't know what it is yet. If we did, we get it corrected. But it doesn't mean that just because we're ignorant of it, that it's not going to hurt us. I want to challenge you, okay? Be a seeker of the truth because the truth is not going to pursue you. You've been called to pursue the truth. And trust me, living in ignorance is not better than living in the truth. You're always better off to know the truth and live in that. But there's a third enemy of truth or opposite of truth, and it's called denial. Okay? Denial is someone who has a gut feel about what the truth is, but they're not going to look at it for fear that it might be true. And by the way, we all struggle with denial at different points at life, in life and in different areas. We all know people who have an anger problem, but they don't think they do. And above all, they're not going to admit it because if they admitted it, they would have to go do something about it. So it's easier to say, I just like things to be the way they're supposed to be. There you go. Denial is the opposite of truth. It's, it's a sort of semi-willful ignorance or it's a, it's a willful choice to not actually look at the truth. Now I have a challenge for all of us because sometimes we have a, 
we have a sense of denial about Jesus and about church. It's easier for us to just not face that reality and ask ourselves, should I actually be going to church every Sunday? Should I actually be participating in in ministry and serving other people? Should I actually order my life around faith? I'd rather not look at that because if I did, I might have to give away a portion of my week. And so I would rather just live in denial about that. We'll get to another area of denial in just a little bit. I would say to you and to me that the Magi would challenge that in us and say, you know something? It would have been easy for them just to stay in Persia. It would have required less of them for sure. And no one would have ever faulted them because could anyone fault someone for, hey, you're following a what? A moving star? Are you all there, dude? Yeah, I could see that. No, no, no. They, no one would have said anything if they just stayed at home. But the deal is, what if the truth requires major life change? And the answer from start to finish in Scripture, and in the story of the Magi, and in the story of Christmas itself is, the truth will always require major life change from everybody. And as we like to say, deal with it. That's what God would say. Why? Because it's good for us. It's great for us. Second reality about truth that you need to know is if we seek the truth, God will get it to us. This is the part that's so encouraging uh, across the board about truth. If you're really looking for the truth, God will make sure it gets to you. By the way, how did these guys end up in Jerusalem and eventually in Bethlehem? They saw a what? A star. What were these guys? Astrologers. If you were God and you were trying to get a message through to someone who was an astrologer, where would you start? I'm guessing you would write it in the stars. There's a lesson in that for you. There's a lesson in that for me. Because if we're really looking... God goes out of His way to put the truth where we're looking. Here's how God says it. If you look for me, what's the next word? Wholeheartedly. You will find me. He says, I will be found by you, says the Lord. Now the trouble is, sometimes when we go looking for the truth, we're not actually looking for the truth. We're looking for a set of beliefs or behaviors that we like and that we want to choose and that sound good to us and that feel good to us. And if we can find that, we label that our truth. You don't get to own truth. I know that's a real common phrase in our world because we would all like to take ownership of what belongs to God, but that's not true. No one gets to own the truth. You don't have a truth. It's the truth. You get to decide whether you're going to believe it or not, but you don't never get to own the truth in the sense that you can manage it and decide what's true for you. No? When you go to the doctor and the doctor says, here's the problem with you, 
you can't say to the doctor, you know something, the rules are different for me. No. The doctor's going to look at you and say, sorry dude or dudette, whichever you happen to be. They don't make separate rules for you. you got a body just like the rest of us. And your body's going to behave just like the rest of us. It has a few anomalies that are sort of unique to you, but you got a general human body and we know how that works. Well, you have a soul and a spirit and they're all subject to the same set of truth. There is no your truth and my truth. There's only the truth. God's very clear about that. And when we are seeking for the truth, then God says, I'll make sure you find it. By the way, you probably have figured out that God doesn't really care about being politically correct. Okay? I'll tell you why he doesn't care about being politically correct. Because it, polit- it was politically correct a couple hundred years ago to have slaves. Okay? I'm glad that we finally woke up to the fact that that's not in line with the truth of God. God didn't create any person to be a slave and owned by somebody else. I could go through history and just show you the problem with political correctness is it's always changing. It's always changing. Because sooner or later we figure out that didn't work and this didn't work and that didn't work and this didn't work. If you want to build your life on something that works, get it on the truth. Because the truth doesn't yield or change. It's just true. It's reality in a package. So, if we seek God, He will get the truth to us. Do you know if you study what's going on in our world today, millions of people, millions of people... In every culture across the face of the planet, some of them are, are, are in very um, um, beleaguered and despotic countries that, have been, that are ruled by tyrants. And, and you think there's no way the truth is ever going to get in there. But God is getting the truth to people uh, in, in Africa, in Asia, all over the world. And people are accepting Him. Some of them are rich. Some of them are poor, black, white. It doesn't make any difference. Because as people seek after God, wherever they are, He gets them the truth. And I, I've seen this on the inside of countries that you would think there's just no way that that's going to happen. I can tell you it's happening all across the face of the earth because God made a promise. And He said, if you seek Me wholeheartedly, what's the rest of it? You will find Me. I'll make sure of it. And I want to tell you this morning, even though it will require major life change for you, if you've come this morning and you're really seeking what is true, God will make sure you never miss it. He'll put it right in front of you in in whatever way He knows that you can see it. It's the third thing about the truth that you and I need to know. And that is this. The truth leads to Jesus every time. Now this is the most politically incorrect part of what I'm going to say to you today, but it's no less true. It's absolutely true. Because there's this common notion in our world 
And I talked about it a while ago that you have your truth and I have my truth and everybody has some truth and whatever you decide is true for you is true for you. Whatever I decide is true for me is, is true for me and so forth. And especially in the world of religion. But I want you to see what Jesus said. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he makes a very exclusive statement after that. He says, no one can come to the Father except through me. And I know there's this notion that, well, you know, there's all these major world religions and there's good in all of them and you choose whichever one you like and I'll choose whichever one I like because they all sort of end up in the same place. They're all different roads to God. Have you heard that? Of course, everybody here's heard that. Sounds really good. It's just not true, okay? Because the founders of every one of those religions said the exact opposite of that. All of them did. And you know what that means? Somebody's not telling the truth. Not, I didn't say somebody's a liar. A liar is someone who tells you a lie when they know what the truth is. But there are times when people say things that they mean and think are true. They just don't turn out to be true. There's good in every religion. Absolutely. In fact, if you were to follow the eightfold path of Buddhism, it would actually make you a better person. Guaranteed. Of course it would. If you were to follow the five pillars of Islam, you would be a better person. In fact, there's only one religion that I know of that has as its goal to make you evil, and that's the church of Satan. And I don't think anyone's too fooled by that this morning. All the other religions in the world have a goal to make you a better person. And if you follow wholeheartedly what they say, you will actually live a better life. There's no doubt about it. That's actually true. But you need to know this. Though you will live a better life, they cannot all take you to God. You have to know that. You could have better behavior. You could be a kinder person. You could be a more thoughtful person. You could be a more generous person. You could be lots of good things as a human being. But you need to understand that there is a truth that underlies what Jesus said that goes above and beyond making you a better person. There's a truth that underlies what Jesus says that tells you about the origin of life, the purpose of life, and the destiny of life. And it teaches you that there is one God and there's only one way to Him, and that is through Jesus. And He says, that's the truth. And friends, that truth doesn't yield for anybody. I know that it's not the most popular belief in Sonoma County, Marin County, but friend, it's no less true. I promise you, if I wasn't standing here and Jesus was standing here, he would say to you, it's still true. Because you know, in all those other religions, with all due respect to Buddha, with all due respect to Muhammad, with all due respect to the people who founded um, Jainism, with all due respect to Confucius, 
with all due respect to those who founded Hinduism and all the other major world religions. Friends, listen. None of them ever claimed to die for you. Only Jesus. Many of those religions make no promise about eternity. And the ones that do, the best they can come up with is either some form of reincarnation until you finally get it right, or some form of a paradise where you are free to indulge your greatest lusts and desires. Jesus said, that's not what it's about. The real answer, it's, it's about you being created to be God's child, to live with Him in eternity. That's the truth. Now, will that require major life change of us? You know, for some of us, it means we have to leave the religion of our childhood. I want to tell you, don't be married to the religion of your childhood Be a seeker of the truth. Don't be married to some religious tradition that somehow got passed down to you and passed down to you as somehow you're being disloyal to your family. No, you have a personal faith and you should be a seeker of the truth. I want to encourage you to do that because it's the greatest thing you could ever do. It will set you free in this life. Be kind and respectful to your parents and your grandparents and anybody else and whatever they've passed down to you. But don't ever paint yourself in that box. For some of us, it's going to require breaking a destructive lifestyle that was handed down to us. Maybe through multiple generations. For some of us, no, we just picked up a destructive lifestyle on our own. We could could do that all by ourselves. Whatever it is, as you come face to face with the truth... Here's what Jesus says. I know that the truth doesn't yield for anybody, and that's good, because it means you can count on it. But here's what Jesus says. It's a promise he makes, and it's a promise I make as a pastor of this church, and it's a promise we make as a church. That though the truth doesn't yield or change for anyone, it will always be communicated in the context of love and genuine care. There's no reason to be blunt or abrupt or mean with the truth. And I have to tell you that Christmas is about the truth of God in the greatest package ever. Would you agree with that? Yeah. The package of God coming to earth and putting his arm around us and saying, Man, I love you. Now let me tell you the truth. I know it's not always easy to hear, but let me tell you the truth because you're better off to know the truth than you are to go on in ignorance, to go on in denial, or to go on believing a lie. This morning there are three ways that we can apply this. And uh, I want to lead us in that. So if you'll take out your Connect cards that are the long skinny cards that look like this. And on the back side, please make sure you put your name on the front side. And if you're brand new to New Life this morning, would you please put your contact information there? We'd love to help you get connected with God. And 
And until we have the contact in, your contact information, we can't even get started at that. So if you would give us your name and contact info. On the back side, there's a place that says that I would like to apply today's teaching by. And there are three things there, and they don't need a lot of explanation. The first one is by becoming a follower of Christ. You know, that's the whole message of Christmas. Jesus came to earth so that people could follow him and find their way to God. And he said, I'll lead you there. But you're never going to find your way to God until you become a follower of Christ. So that's the first one. The second one is, some of you are going to say, but how can I know for sure that Jesus is the real McCoy and that he's not just lying to us or telling me something I can't believe? Well, there's many, many resources. I've just listed one there. It's an easy read. It's a challenging read, okay? But it's not hard to understand. It doesn't use a lot of technical terms. It's called Case for Christ, and you can get it uh, online from Amazon.com. You can get it almost anywhere, uh, at almost any bookstore. And if, you're, if you have doubts about whether you can actually trust Christ with your life, then I'm going to suggest you go get that book because it will take you from a historical viewpoint, a scientific viewpoint, and several other perspectives. And it will show you uh, all the evidence, or a lot of the evidence, for the truth of Christ. And then last of all, um, as I've been speaking this morning, it could be that God is saying to you, there's this whole area of your life that you've been avoiding because you're afraid of what the truth might be there and you just haven't wanted to deal with it, this should be the time. Because even if the truth requires major life change, you're better off with the truth than without it. Let's pray. Father, would you, would you lead all of us this morning that we might make that trek and that we, that we might be on the quest for the truth. And that above all, we would get it and we would never sell it or compromise it, but that we would order our lives around it, that we might be like the Magi who traveled hundreds of miles for one reason, that they might become followers of the truth and seekers of the truth. Lord, for my friends who need to accept you this morning and, and to make you their Lord and to become a follower of Christ, would you help them to make it official today, right now, Would you give them strength and courage and boldness to check that that place on the card so that we can get with them this week and that they might come to know the peace that comes from following you. For those who have questions, would you help them uh, in January and February to, to, to make that a priority and to read and to study so that they can have their faith founded on what is true. And Lord, for those of us who have been avoiding some area of our life, because we're afraid of what the truth might be. Would you give us grace to face that today? I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.